friends. Welcome to the Modern Mamas podcast. We're here to provide a safe space for open dialogue, insights, and anecdotes about empowered pregnancy, labor, delivery, parenthood, and everything in between with zero judgment and open hearts and minds. I'm Jess, a level one CrossFit trainer and a licensed and certified athletic trainer. I have my master's in kinesiology and I'm currently studying to be a certified nutrition consultant and a birth fit coach. I'm the blogger behind Hold the Space Wellness as well as a mama to two small kiddos. And I'm Laura, a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, birth fit Santa Cruz regional director, and mama to Evie Wilder. I'm also the owner of Radical Roots. Head over to MyRadicalRoots.com to find recipes, insights, and nutrition consulting. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Welcome to part two of our interview with one of our favorite people on the planet, the Liz Wolf. Just as a reminder, Liz is a health and wellness writer and nutritional therapy practitioner with a passion for real food, safe skincare, and healthy babies and families. Her work includes the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Eat the Yolks, and the Purely Primal Skincare Guide. And she co-created the online pregnancy and parenthood community, Baby Making and Beyond, set to launch in 2017. She blogs at realfoodliz.com and co-hosts the Balanced Bite podcast. In her spare time, she chases her rambunctious toddler around her hobby farm. We had so much fun during our interview, we had to split it into two. Today, we'll be answering reader questions all about sleep, self-care, and mentality. We hope you love it. A couple different people ask about... um, Okay, so I'm just going to read through. One asks, six-month-old in sleep, how do working moms with little ones under a year and who are in daycare all day find a way to reconcile all of the variables and teach them to sleep independently? There's the lack of control over daycare time and then wanting to spend time with them after work. Um, let's see. They're craving consistency, but with the daily fluctuations, they're not really ready to do sleep training. So she wants to know, basically, what would aware parenting say at this juncture? Um, at six months, you know, she's doesn't necessarily have control of all the sleep environments and everything that's going into what her child is experiencing. But what can she be doing, I guess, to, I don't know, this kind of probably mirrors your own experience. Start yeah, shoot, I, I completely could not, I was looking at a different question. And where's this question? Is it in the notes? It's in the notes. So there's reader questions. Um, yeah. It's aware parenting and then sleep. And it's the first okay. question under sleep. Oh, okay. Got it. Um, are we going to answer question number one under aware parenting? Cause I loved that question. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes. Let's do do you want to do that one first? No, let's do this okay. one. I just was a totally like, okay, now I just need to make sure that I give the answer that, that she needs. Let's see. Yeah. And Laura, can you make a note and I'll just like edit some of this? Sorry guys. Uh, no, you're fine. That's totally fine. fine. Super easy. I scrolled down a little bit too far. Okay. Let's see. The little ones. Okay. Is this from Jackal Blair or Jack J Keebler, 611? Okay. <laughs> so this is one of those questions where I just need to acknowledge the fact that the world is not set up for us to parent the way we in our hearts believe is the right way to parent. I mean, I think that I think that sleep training solves the problem of not enough sleep for what you have to do in your life and in your world. Um, 
So I completely understand why people do it. And there is this, this space here where there's that sacrifice of consistent sleep while you work on the aware parenting stuff with the faith that it is going to like assist in helping your child find peace and so that they can fall asleep and stay asleep until more feelings bubble up and then they wake up and then you help them with those feelings. Um, six months is a really hard time. And I think a lot of times we blame like development on sleep disruptions and all these different things. But I think what we need to do is like really look like at the underlying, like even deeper than that, when your kids are going through developmental leaps, that can be stressful. Um, when your kid is teething, that can be, that transition can, can be difficult. So it's not necessarily like the, the pain or the exact developmental milestone that's waking them up. It's kind of the stress around that. Um, you know how, like if you hit your funny bone on something and you've already had a really crappy day, you're, you will absolutely lose your mind, like in anger and like agony and why me. But if you bump your funny bone and if you had a great day, you're just like, Oh man, that kind of hurt. No biggie. (laughs) So, um, six months old in sleep as a working mom. I don't know. Maybe I'm not the best one to, to answer this. Um, wanting to spend time with them after work and then weekends being different than the weekdays consistency. I think that schedule is one thing and that is really hard to do, but consistency is an entirely different beast. So like you can kind of set things up however you want to with the commitment to listening to whatever emotions they might have, um, really honoring who they are and kind of, and just watching them move through the world. So you kind of know where, where they need you and where they don't like all of those like beautiful emotional connection type thing should bring some, some peace and some better sleep over time. Um, but I think consistency is different from schedule. So I feel like right here, it's kind of more like, do we need to be on a schedule and like not do the things we want to do because we need a schedule to find sleep. And I think that's just one of those things where we try and, okay, sorry, I got it. I got it now. I've been babbling, but now I got it. It just popped into my head. Okay. Children are, they, they're born knowing how to sleep. They know how to fall asleep. You know, before we kind of like interject all of our beliefs on them, I think they find sleep pretty easily when they want to sleep, they fall asleep, even when there are fireworks going on. Um, and so I think that we try and move all these pieces around. Like we try and put kids on a schedule and it does work for some kids. Absolutely. And if it works then it's elegant and it's perfect and it makes your life easier, but a schedule shouldn't make your life harder. Um, we like put blackout shades in the room and we run sound machines or we, you know, change the temperature in the room or we swaddle or we don't swaddle or we side lie or we put them on their back or we put them on their tummies. Even though our pediatricians are freaking out. We mess with all these variables and we kind of forget that when, when children are, are heard and nurtured and mom kind of learns to, um, not worry as much about the little details and just freeze herself to focus on like connection and being a conduit for those tough emotions coming out, like all of those things, then over time, like peace in sleep should come. Absolutely. That's what I got. That's great. No. And I can just speaking as the mom of two here, um, with my first one, I really tried to I was like schedule. He has to be in bed by this Mm -hmm. time. We have to do all these things. X, Y, Z. If it's off, if it's off, 
he's off, I'm off, we're all off. Like, it's just so much stress. With the second one, I was like, F this. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to see what happens. Like, I'm going to yeah. do, I'm going to feed her when she's hungry. I'm going to hold her when she's crying. I'm going to, I'm going to hold her. Like, that was one thing. It was like, with my first, it was like, I need to, I need to be able to set him down. I need to be able to, like, do things. I need to be able to, like, wash dishes and all this stuff. And I just freaking held her all the time. Um, nice. The story, the moral of the story is, and this is just, this might just be because this is who she is um, as a person, but she figured it out. She figured it out without me forcing anything. Now, obviously, there's things that we do that, you know, like myself, I like a dark room. I mean, that's just biological. You sleep better in a dark room mm-hmm. with, you know, not a lot of noises going on. So we do do like blackout curtains, and I do all these things consistently to help facilitate sleep but she figured it out without me ever having to do yeah anything like structured you know what I mean yeah so they were facilitators for sure but not not the key which is why like not the same thing works for everyone because we're Mm -hmm. all desperate to find like these things that are gonna make it work when really it's something entirely different we can optimize the environment that's a great idea Mm -hmm. but like I, I like Velcro the blackout shades to <laughs> the window, thinking that was going to be the key. And it right. wasn't. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't. This kid sleeps better with a little bit of light, which I find funny. I heard that yeah. um, when we like blackout, we've got blackout curtains. And if I, when I turn, like, I have a little touch light now to, so I can see when she wants to feed. And um, when I turn that light off to them, she's like, oh. What <laughs> light? <laughs> like okay, yeah. uh, it's so funny. And I thought I would sleep better with her next to the bed instead of with me. And I sleep so much more soundly when she's right next to me, touching me. So it's just you always like again expectations versus reality. And also every kid is so different, and every yes. parent is so different, every family is mm-hmm. so different. I have friends who put their kid in her own crib at like fifteen or sixteen days, and that worked well for everybody. Baby slept better. And I just, it's like, but then, you know, from parent to parent, I can't imagine doing that, but it's, there's also no judgment. It's just about what, you know, what works, I guess, in some yes. cases. So totally. Absolutely. And we have a few, do you want to hit the other ones on sleep and then go back to that first aware parenting question or totally up to you? Let's just make okay. sure to get it in there at some point. Oh, absolutely. Let's just hit the sleep ones while we're there. Um, okay. This one is more about, so the 17 month old trying to sleep through the night, they won't really want to know some more details about your process, which you can share as much or as little as you want to. Sure. Um, but so obviously she's still tr- struggling with her little one waking up several times a night for milk. Um, so what, would you be willing to share anything about the process that you went through? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's different, you know, people make fun of parents that say like, my kid's 26 months old because they don't get it. How different 26 months is from 24 Mm -hmm. and 17 months is very different from eight months when we started. What I do know about this process is that when they're very small and very small, I would say probably I think the the cutoff Eliza Parker mentioned to me was about at about eight months, it does start to get a little bit more difficult because they get so busy. Mm-hmm. Like when they're completely dependent on you for movement and they're just kind of taking cues from you in every way and they're not quite kind of starting to like pull at those threads of independence, you can help them much more easily to access those stressful emotions and release them to find peaceful sleep. And I know that um, a lot of the like aware parented babies that I've that I've heard of um, 
for whom the parents started aware parenting early. And a lot of times this is like the second kid where you discovered aware parenting at eight months or 17 months with your first kid. Well, you know, all these things right away with your second, a lot of those folks that start a little bit earlier, like six months to, um, do like the, the, they call it crying in arms. You, you don't leave your baby alone to cry. You hold them and you are present with them and you allow your presence to be, um, a force of regulation for them. Um, when you do that earlier, they will tend to sleep longer and not develop these programmed wakings, I guess I would call it. Because when you're 17, 18 months old, like the, the waking is more habituated. There, There is no argument that I can make for 95% of kids for whom night nursing is a actual nutritional need after a certain point which is like, sounds so anti-attachment parenting and it's not, it really is not. It's more about recognizing when that subtle shift, when it's not about nourishment or even comfort anymore, and it starts to be be about habit. Mm -hmm. And actually that can be a little bit of a sweet spot for helping your older children release emotions is the night, the night weaning process. Because a lot of times when you have these older toddlers who are so busy, who don't, who are, who it's not as easy to foster that release of emotions by just holding them and being there with them while they release. When you have a kid that's ticked off, but they want to go play with some blocks, that's a little bit harder. But the night weaning process, it, it it can be really difficult when you say, we're not going to nurse today. I'm going to hear your feelings. I'm just going to hold you. I'm going to be with you. And they will cry and they will be sad, but you will be there and you will be there saying, this is right for us now. It's time for you to um, find peace in sleep. You don't need to wake up anymore. And I'm going to be right here with you while you process this change. That's a beautiful thing. Like we really can't just follow our kids around being like, okay, this is what you want. It's going to make you cry if you don't get it. Okay. Okay. Have it. We have to strike that balance between, I know this is not what they need. So I'm going to lovingly shepherd them in a new direction. That's going to benefit all of us. And the cool thing that you can look at this in this way is like, when you are communicating that to your child and always communicate it. 17 month old might not be able to speak entirely, like tell you what they're feeling, but they know your words. Like they know that you're there, that something is changing and that you're going to be there through the adjustment, which will involve some difficult emotions and crying. Um, it's a, it's a tandem process. It's not something that you're just sticking them with and you're going to let them cry until they're done crying and they're going to deal with it. It's the both of you like letting go of something. So I think the most important thing, because it's never just about like, well, it's generally not about my kid wakes up at night and wants to eat. It's my kid wakes up at night and wants to eat and will cry if he can't. Mm -hmm. So there's always that, almost always that crying piece in there. So if you can foster that, I mean, other big emotions are going to come out with it. It's not going to end up just being about, oh, I don't get to nurse anymore. It's going to be about, oh, I bumped my head today. Oh, my older brother pushed me down. Oh, you know, I tried to say something to daddy or wave at him out the window on his way to work and he didn't see me. All of these little things will kind of hitch their wagons to these big feelings and come out. And over time, and it can take some time, over time, you will find more peaceful sleep from there. However, not an expert. If you need professional (laughs) help, contact Eliza Parker from ConsciousBaby.com. I swear by her. We'll link to her. Yeah, absolutely. I feel I'm definitely going to look into that. It sounds so... I don't know. I just, um, like I said, we had an interesting, 
you know, thing that we did with my son that worked and our little one, the, the small one, she's in a crib in our room. Um, she sleeps through the night till like three or four and she's almost a year. And it's to that point where it's like almost every night at clockwork, she wakes up at the same time and you can tell like she latches on and then she doesn't, she's like, ah, okay, I'm going to ride back to yeah. sleep. And then I can put her back in her bed and she's like, fine. Um, so it's kind of like become one of those habitual things, but I'm definitely going to, I personally am going to look into that too. So the other, like, if I could just add something really quick, sorry, you guys, you guys have been like the conduit for a lot of thoughts for me today. (laughs) I'm so happy. Um, that is a point at which consistency becomes really important because you've communicated to your child that something's going to change and they need to see that that is going to be the reality Mm -hmm. versus like one night you let me have it one night you didn't. And so for us, we put off night weaning for a long time because I would just be tired and I wasn't ready to like stay up and do something different for a while there. I was just like, I need to just lay there and let her latch on. Um, because just emotionally and physically, it wasn't something I could do. I couldn't lose that sleep. But when you're ready and you know, you can be consistent, um, in your communication, in your presence, in your like love and honoring their feelings, and in your choice to no longer like have this feeding occur at this point in the night, like that's really, really important. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I love it. Um, you kind of touched on this one with te- teething and sleeplessness that goes along with it. So, I mean, you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, you kind of mentioned that it's not necessarily the teething that might be waking them. It's the stress around that. And basically you're kind of dealing with it in the same manner as you would with any yeah. developmental or physical or emotional issue, correct? 100%. Yeah. I mean, teething can cause pain, of course. That's that's not up for debate. But our capacity to handle pain, I think, can kind of increase or decrease based on the, the other facets in our lives, whether there are other stressors and other things going on. So I think um, I, I consulted with like 50 sleep experts to try and figure this out. Um, when we weren't getting any sleep before I found aware parenting. And one of the things that did stick with me that I felt was, was scientifically true was that teething for most kids is pretty low on the list of like actual pain related disturbances. It's more a matter of, um, I, I guess seeking to see if there are any deeper stressors that you can help them release so that they can sleep a little more peacefully during that process. And I know it's possible. I've seen it. I've, I've heard it from many, many people who have implemented aware parenting during the teething process. Very good. So basically I'm aware. Parenting sounds amazing. I, I for one, will be looking into it, but I mean, if, <laughs> if someone looks into that or if they read the books or they consult with a sleep consultant, that is kind of, of that train of thought, they can learn all the, the same tools that you're talking about through, yeah. through those yeah. avenues. And what Eliza helps with really is every mom, every dyad, every pair, we say moms, it could be parent, but I'll say moms. Every pair is different. There are different, like it's a dance. Like we have different like impedances to our relationships. We have different, for some of us, the lines of communication about one thing are like wide open and other things, not so much. So what Eliza really helped me with was to pinpoint those those things that were specific to me and my daughter and my relationship that I could bring awareness to so that we could work on them because Mm -hmm. everyone is, there's no one size fits all approach. And that I think is kind of the one of the problems with cry it out 
again, no judgment on folks that do it because I understand why. Um, but the problem with that is it's like, it's this one size fits all like hammer approach to a much more nuanced situation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Love it. So many knowledge bombs. Okay. So the question that you were talking about, um, B Cosmos asks, talk to us about aware parenting. She's a mom to a five week old and the amount of stress hormones that she produced when her, when her own baby is inconsolable is huge. She wants to know how you can manage your own emotions when your child is losing it. Um, which I'm just like waiting on pins and needles to see what you say. <laughs> I mean, we actually kind of have spent this entire time talking about this, but I, I really wanted to address this specifically because I thought it was such a beautiful question and coming from such an amazing place. Um, five weeks old, they're just figuring out the world and this is totally normal. We are programmed to respond to our babies, but I also want to say that I don't think it's just about these, these, this, this, these hormones that are driving us to, to pick them up and fix it. It's also about how we were responded to as a kid and as an adult and how we've managed our own feelings. And for me personally, hearing my baby cry was not just like, oh, I have a hormonal attachment that is driving me to respond, which is just, it's inside all of us. That's evolutionary and it's amazing. But it was also, I've realized over time, I was so uncomfortable with crying because I thought it meant something was terribly wrong and I had to stop it, yet I had no power to do so. I felt so unbelievably powerless and confused and like I was failing. I didn't know what to do. And, you know, of course, like, I think that's a lot of moms, but, but this is not just your baby being stressed as the cause of like your, your feelings in this situation. This is also about you mom and how you're responding to your own emotions and how you process them and how you conceptualize them. And maybe you need, um, a certain amount of support that you didn't even need like that you didn't even know you needed. So just recognize that you are also like your baby's a full cup of emotions, but you are also a full cup of emotions. And both of you have to have your needs met in that moment to feel, to feel balance, even through the craziness. Does that make sense? Totally. Okay. Absolutely. Good. I'm just like extrapolating here, but I feel like, cause I talk to Laura all the time and she's, you know, I'm constantly like checking in with her and she's doing so well, at least from the outside mm -hmm. perspective. I know she's voiced that too. And I think part of it is because, I mean, Laura, you jump in, but like, you seem to be so supported. Like your own emotions are like, I think a part of it is seeking and get, seeing, getting therapy ahead of time. Um, mm -hmm. and also thinking a lot about parenting and what it was going to take and entail while pregnant versus like just thinking about labor and delivery. And then, and then super importantly is the support system that we have, um, we moved back from Washington to Santa Cruz, um, knowing we were going to start a family and we have such an amazing support system here of friends and our, our CrossFit gym. And, um, people have been bringing us like really nourishing food, not just like, you know, souffles or, or whatever, but like super, mm -hmm. super nourishing food and coming and visiting and talking to us and loving on us and checking in like you checking in and having people just, I feel like I have every outlet to melt down if I needed to. And I think having that has allowed me to not feel like I've needed to. And I genuinely, yeah. I've just been super, super happy and 
Uh, I think it's that support that's been huge. And my husband is here a lot, um, because of his, where he is career wise. And so he goes and coaches an hour and we four minute walk, he walks back and can check in and see how we're doing and does a lot of skin to skin with her. And she really likes that. So that's been great too, is that she's content being with dad, which I think is really helpful. Um, but yeah, the support system has been amazing and, um, like kind of figuring out who I am and my emotions ahead of time, I think was imperative. So it's like, there's silver lining in that. I didn't have, I was pretty much infertile for a long time. I think, um, the silver lining is that I had a lot of work to do and having put in some time and doing that ahead of time, I think really helped me to be able to like acknowledge my emotions and be okay with them. And, um, and doing that with my husband at the same time, I think has been huge. So the mindset piece and like being okay with emotions, not like we talked about the fear of feelings. I no longer have fear of my feelings. I'm that's super so open. huge, huge. And so oh my I gosh. got stunk when you were talking about that, because I think that's where, that's what changed my whole world. And, yeah. uh, you and too. amazing, the mind body connection and that like learning to be okay with my feelings, then my period returned. And it was a, it was a combination of a bunch of things, but I think that was one of the biggest things for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been amazing (laughs) for you to say, like, I can melt down if I need to. That's Mm -hmm. so huge because so many moms feel like I can't melt down. I can't, I don't have time. I can't, there's too much going on. They don't, they have that, that preconceived kind of like boundary to their ability to express themselves. And even just shifting your consciousness and knowing that if I need to melt down, it's okay. It's even Mm -hmm. good. Um, and opening that door to yourself can be so huge. And I think it's, it's amazing that you discovered that. And I'm sure it is translating to how you're parenting, like those, even those un, unheard, unspoken signals that you and Evie are, you know, sharing with one another. She's picking up on that. She probably feels incredibly safe with all of her feelings with you already, even at this early stage. We're looking yeah, you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> I know. I'm, we're looking at, at Laura and Evie right now, and it's like clearly <laughs> she's stressed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that is one chicked off baby right there. Oh, yes. man. I love it. Um, uh, and I kind of, gosh, again, this is a whole nother podcast episode, but just talking about this is not a, a listener question, but dads and their part in this whole process with aware parenting, mm-hmm. too. I mean, it's not like it's just the mom communicating. No. And when we, when I think about, you know, speaking for myself, like issues that arise further on in adulthood, your dad, you know, is such a powerful figure in the way you can process emotions or not process emotions. Um, mm-hmm. And so I wonder, like, what are your thoughts? I know you and your husband are probably in this together, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, what, what do you say would be the, the dad's part in this whole thing. Well, I mean, I think that's why it's called aware parenting and not aware mothering. Right. I mean, all of these things are, are completely applicable to both moms and dads or two moms and two dads, whatever it is, whatever your life looks like, it's a hundred percent applicable to all parents. It's applicable to grandparents. It doesn't matter. Um, it, men sometimes seem to have unique challenges around emotions. I feel really happy because my husband had, has gone through enough in his life and seen like female suffering to a point where he is very in tune to, you know, without saying too much, but he's just very tender hearted and he, his default is to listen. Mm -hmm. And that's, 
that's huge because I think a lot of times men are trained to be fixers, um, and they are very much trained from a very early age culturally not to cry and to, to man up and, and all of that stuff. So, you know, that's not exclusive to men, but it's certainly a tendency for men to be brought up that way. And, you know, he goes there sometimes where, you know, I just need to vent and he wants to fix it. And I need to remind him, no, I don't need fixing. I just need to release this. Um, but I think it's, it's often a, a different, not a greater, but a different challenge for men because they have to deprogram, um, programming that they didn't even know was there. Um, they have to really look at how they were raised and how young boys are raised and, and things like that. Whereas for me as a mother, I felt like I was more trying to navigate this constant storm of emotions, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which was a unique challenge in and of itself. But I do also think that like your co-parents cooperation and their understanding of this makes it a thousand times easier. And it also helps you to set up like not like, oh, I'll, I'll go to mom because I'm safe with her. I won't go to dad because I don't feel as safe with my emotions with him. Like to approach this as a team, I think is really, really important. Even though a lot of times a kid will just naturally go to mom. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it still matters. It really still matters that dad is, is up for it and on board, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's amazing now looking back, I'm, you know, as a mom, especially when they're newborns, like there are some things that only you can do. Like literally dads can't breastfeed yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. there are, I mean, that's something that, that only you can do. And that's usually the main source of comfort, you know, for a while. So I feel like sometimes dads can kind of feel like left out, like they don't have a part. Um, yeah. but now seeing as bear, who's my four-year-old is getting older and the way he relates to my husband and the way my husband can talk to him like I can't um, in a loving way is just so mm-hmm. beautiful. It's like it all comes around like full circle. And it, it is the yeah. fact that he was my husband was involved and present from the beginning. And I just I don't know. I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but I think no, that's I important, like it. you know, because a lot of times dads do feel left out like they can't they don't have anything to offer. Um, when yes. I feel like it's, it's not true, even if it's just supporting their spouse, the, the mother through the emotions, that's huge because that's, I mean, it's all bonding the family unit. I feel like, you know, totally. Yeah. So that's something I check in with Rusty about pretty much daily now, because there's times when he's holding her and she'll all of a sudden just like, sh- sh- you know, there's only one thing that she wants, you know? And, yeah. uh, and I'm like, all right, how are you feeling with that? Where it's like, she, you can't do anything. And he's like, it's, I, uh, he's okay with it, you know, but I just feel like it's important to check in with him and make sure, because I could see how that might get after time. Like, well, uh, I feel helpless or whatever, but he's able to help in, in many other ways. And, and so I just think checking in with the dad or the other partner is pretty important, um, to make sure that, cause you know, paternity or male postpartum depression is also a thing. So, mm. yeah. or for the partner or whatever. So Really good point. Yeah. You know, our dads can also be really helpful. I just thought of that. Like when they're teeny tiny, it's like you just need one thing and it needs to have a boob on it. Yeah. Uh, you just need mom. It's not just about the boobs. That was, <laughs> I didn't mean it that way, but um, you know, you are the one that can provide that, that comfort in the early, in the early times. Um, but a place where I found my husband really useful and that really helped solidify the connection and the aware parenting connection between him and my daughter was when it was time to, um, night wean. Like we both were very communicative with her about how this was going to go. Cool. I handled it a little bit. That. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. He would go in and, 
and hold her and, and do the night wakings with her. And she would release with him. And that was really, really powerful. And when we say release, we mean cry, you know, yeah. detoxify the stress and everything. And by the way, um, one of the things that kind of convinced me on aware parenting, some of the first like science was, um, reading that basically stress hormones like catecholamines have been found in tears. So it's basically like you're getting rid of those. You can stress it. You can sweat them out. You can cry them out. There are different ways to do that. But I thought that was really profound. And it was a huge like bonding point for the two of them um, for her to feel safe um, releasing those emotions with him during that process. That's so cool. That was, that's what I was hoping to to hear <laughs> is that yeah. like with that with that part of this whole process that dad could be just as involved as mom or partner 100%. could be just as involved as so that's awesome. Yeah. He'll be good at that. <laughs> it's fun it's fun to think about. I kind of get like all a uh, butterfly when I think Yeah, it's exciting. That. It's yeah. it's a cool thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cuz you want that. You want that for them. So, oh, Chrissy, I like that handle. She wants to know, so we're talking about self-care mentality, preparation, kind of mindset work. Um, She wants to know that how amidst all of the stress and selflessness of parenting, what is one thing that you do for just you and nobody else? Ooh, I like this question. I do too. I want to hear what you guys have to say about it. I, I don't think I did anything for myself and I don't think zoning out to reality TV counts. I really don't. Cause that, that's been pretty much a constant, but, um, I, I think it's not every day, but going to therapy has been absolutely the thing that I'm building in to do for myself. And therapy has kind of helped me incorporate, like I'm, I'm reading fiction now, you know, before bed and things like that. So it took me a long time to actually think of how can I help take care of myself in this moment? Yeah. Laura, what are you doing? Um, I'd say I'm showering. <laughs> and, and when I was, still, that's big. <laughs> yeah. When I was still healing, um, I'm, you know, I'm, my, I've, I've had some stitches. And so, um, a friend of mine, well, Jess actually had a friend of hers who's now a mutual friend created like a, an herb, um, sits bath type situation. So cool. I was using that and doing that. I would go sit on my little like booty bath thing for <laughs> like 15 minutes and then take a warm shower and she would be sleeping on my husband. And so that was, that was really great for me, just like taking care of myself and making sure I'm healing well. Um, and now I'm still getting my shower, but I just started the birth fit, um, postpartum programming, which right now is basically just like, I take, you know, 15 minutes and it's like breath work and some functional progression stuff just to like work on my pelvic floor and, um, my DRA and, uh, that's been amazing. And, and then like, it'll be like squatting, like standing up, sitting down off the couch and I'll hold her. But that, that for me, like taking that 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes, um, has been really powerful. And then walking, I walked every day since like day eight or something and like putting her in a wrap, which she loves. So I guess that's three things, (laughs) which, uh, I feel, I feel like there's no guilt there. I feel very happy that I'm able to do those three things and, um, enjoy them. And it's cool because, you know, when I go for walks, it's with her. So I don't feel like it's just me time, but it kind of is at the same time. I, it fills my cup, but I'm also getting time with her. So, um, I don't, not at any point where I'm like, I need time away from her. The shower is great. And, but then like, aside from that, I like to be able to hold her and then, um, take care of myself at the same time, which is cool. I love hearing about your experience too. Cause I mean, my first experience, I literally felt like I could not take a shower. Me too. You know, like I was stressed and my husband, sometimes we didn't understand, like the baby was crying and it literally, I had fed him like maybe 15 minutes ago and he's like knocking on the door, like the baby's crying again. I'm like, 
I just need a shower. (laughs) And I was like, so in a bad place where it's like, I just wanted to like draw the curtains and never go outside. Like, yeah, I was just like, not okay. Looking back and in hindsight, seeing your experience, like knowing this just wasn't a good place. So yeah, for me, the first, my first postpartum experience, I didn't do anything for myself. I did not do one thing. I didn't exercise. I didn't read. There wasn't a lot of joy. Um, with the second go around, it's been, I mean, it's like night and day. Um, and I, you know, for me, that was like continuing to blog, um, not hardcore or anything like that. But when I felt creative, like embracing that, reading a book, um, and now I'm actually working out again for the first time in years because that whole first part of first postpartum experience was just craziness. Um, so those are the things I do for myself. I don't know. Doing this podcast is, is yeah, huge. I should have added mm-hmm. that too. I mean, this has been yeah. awesome. Definitely. Ah! Oh, she's a sweet darling. I startled her. <laughs> Precious. Um, okay. And so next one, Grace Place asked top three books to read preconception and top three to read while pregnant. Okay. I feel like you have to like, just don't get too hung up on what books you're reading because you're just not going to necessarily know like what you need. I don't know. Maybe like, maybe I would put eat the yolks in there because I think it's kind of like a fun laissez faire take on nutrition. I don't like for like mamas to stress too much. I'm going to add in that you should get it on Audible because listening to you read that book is amazing. You have a very like relaxing it's amazing. voice. I've like never had anyone tell me that before. <laughs> no, it's awesome. I, I, so I started reading it on the book and then I got the, um, the, the, the Audible and I was like, this is so great. I like that. I do like when the authors read their own books. It's, it gets so much better. Delivered way better. Well, good. So, Eat the yolks okay. on Audible then. <laughs> Maybe... Um, one of Nina Plank's books. I, I, I like kind of her take on nutrition. Um, I read, well, while pregnant, while pregnant, I read birthing from within, which was kind of an education looking back on how difficult strong emotions are for me because it brought so many things up and I would feel myself just pressing them down, like tying a cinder block to them and dropping them in the ocean type thing. And it's, it's interesting now. Cause I think my, my body and my soul was telling me that there were going to be some hard things coming up and they were going to come up eventually, no matter what I did. But I liked that. Um, the aware baby love that book. And I don't know, man, what do you guys think? Um, I read, I don't know if you're familiar with Krista Arikio. I think she's the whole journal, yeah. but she wrote a book called, um, how to conceive naturally after 30. Do you have it? Did, what did you, did no, you just put This it? is a wear baby. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Can we just put it into the universe? Like I know somebody would be willing to shoot a new cover for that book. I'll That's do it. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like from the cover. It's not one of those things that would like draw you in. No. <laughs> but um, anyways, I read uh, her book, How to Conceive Naturally After 30 for my second go around. Um, and it's just a really solid book as far as like nutrition um, and whatnot, but I don't know. Are you over 30? I'm over 30. Oh, I, I mean, know. I know I don't look like it, but you don't. I'm like way over 30. Y'all. <laughs> I'm, I'm over 30. <laughs> How old are you, Laura? I, I never I asked you that. 29. Okay. Yeah. I'm I 33. 30 in October. Yeah. Liz. I'm 33. I'll be 34 in pretty soon here. Yeah. So we're the same, same age, which honestly, I wonder, I don't know. 
I'm not going to go there because we're going to go out on a rant. Um, (laughs) Part of me wonders if like having babies at a later age, it's much harder to adjust like your two parenting. You know what I mean? It could be. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of different factors that would play in there. I know I was definitely entrenched in a lot of patterns. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So, and did you read any other books, Laura, that really helped you? I really liked Ina May's book mm-hmm. for yes. while pregnant. I loved the birth stories. Actually, all through pregnancy, I really loved listening to birth stories. I know it's not for everybody, um, but I listened to like every all different kinds, C-section, natural, home birth, hospital birth. I just, I really enjoyed that. And I think it helped to prepare me for whatever would come. Um, and let's see what else I, so that one was great. So Ina May's, what is it? My gosh. Guide Our, to childbirth. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then I'm liking the aware parent. Um, I read baby wise and I think it was good to read because I've taken some stuff from it, but it's funny because the one day I picked it up again when she was like 10 days old or something. And I, and it, I cannot believe that it actually has like zero to two weeks on like what a schedule would look like. <laughs> and so, so I'm reading it and I'm like, okay, okay. And then that day she decided she was going to eat for four hours straight. And then like, didn't like woke up every hour at night and every other night it's been like three hours. I just thought I, I was like totally laughing. I'm like, that's the universe telling me that that's not right, especially right now. Um, but I thought it was good to read because I'm trying to get just like a whole, the whole smorgasbord and not, yeah. not get dogmatic about anything. Um, and then just kind of reading, I'm reading this, <laughs> this sea change book. It's like a book of surf stories from Hawaii. So I think go. it's kind of good to have a book when you're breastfeeding. Um, that's not just about child rearing and that maybe it's just me, but I, I found that it's nice to break it up. I think we need to release ourselves from like the, I mean, I'm all about aware parenting, but, but the real release has been like, just be with your baby, talk wow. to them, respond to them, observe them. I was so desperately searching for a philosophy for the longest time that mm-hmm. I forgot to really look at my baby and, and learn to trust myself a little bit more. So yeah. I love that one book. It should be for pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah. I just finished call of the wild too. It was just kind of, Oh wow. You are Vintage. Incredible. I like, no I could not imagine trying to like even use my brain <laughs> well, I started like in my last weeks of pregnancy and I did finish it, but it's like, it's very short. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's kind of fun to have something. Otherwise I find myself looking at my phone right? and yeah. I can watch her for hours, but I also like, I'll pull up and I'm like, Instagram's fun. And it's like, well, um, I, you know, that's a whole nother topic, but you know, screens and whatnot. And it's yeah. so easy to just be like, Oh, and this story and this thing and that and that and yeah. that. So this drama. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look Absolutely. what someone said on Liz's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, so Never yeah. ending battle. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Number three, Larissa Gregorin asks, how do you get your noggin on straight when you intend to have a V back? That's a pretty deep question. Yeah. That is a deep question. Yeah. I, so, okay. Well, did you have a VBAC? Was that your second birth? Um, no, I, I delivered that va- vaginally both, both times. Both times. The first one was just, it was just okay. traumatic. Yeah. Okay. Well, I had a C-section. Um, what the space I'm in right now, and this might not, I don't want to say this is applicable to everyone, but my space right now is becoming all right with any birth way that might happen. And I know some people feel like that's preparing for the wrong thing, but I prepared 100% for a beautiful vaginal birth in the water, you know, at home or in a birth center the first time. And it was a completely different scenario. 
So what I realized was you can have a beautiful birth while being open to just the flow of life. And my effort right now is getting myself to a place where I can accept that these things don't always go as planned and getting to a point where I know I could be okay with that. And if I can go into pregnancy and birth knowing that it will be all right and I will use all the tools that I have and that I have the tools to make it all right no matter what it is, um, I think that's when I will know I can have another baby. So that might not be everybody. Um, VBACs are safe. There's a wealth of statistics out there that you can look into about the, you know, quote, risks of repeat C-section versus VBAC and those types of things. But I don't know that that's really the important work. Um, it, I think it probably should center around um, having faith that you you can float down this river and like deal with whatever might come. Um, I put a lot of onus, I think, on my um, my care providers and and kind of didn't have a whole lot of faith in myself. I think is the theme that I noticed looking back um, in all the preparation that I did. I was expecting that having you know a beautiful birth tub, essential oils, candles, no you know hospital stuff surrounding me. Like if I had control over my environment and if I had the right care providers and if I had all these things in place that it would go well, but my head wasn't in place. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think that's probably the question. Having a great care provider is wonderful. There are tons of VBAC supportive care providers out there and finding one you trust to tell you when you need to go a different way, someone that you will believe has your best interests in mind um, and that you can trust when they say, hey, this is getting to a point where we need to look at other options. I think that's really important, having that trust. I think a lot of us have been educated to just mistrust anyone that suggests C-section at any time because mm-hmm. they just want to get to their golf game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's, I can't that's recommend a doula enough. Yes. Yeah. That was that was so huge for for us. And the whole time, just like checking in with her, I thought that was pretty powerful. Um, and just the whole process. Yeah. And, and everything you said is beautiful. And, and though I didn't have a C-section, I had a lot of anxiety about going through the birthing process again, based on my experience. Um, and so what I did personally was I reached out, I delivered with a different midwife the second time, but I reached back out to the midwife that had helped that delivered my first. And I just, I told her she was amazing. Um, I told her what I was going through. I told her what I was feeling. And then I just asked her to walk me through what happened because in my mind, mm. I saw things completely differently. You know, it was hours and hours, but to me it was like minutes, like mm-hmm. when it was all happening. And, you know, I'm obviously looking at it very emotionally, um, and so she, I asked her, I was like, can you just talk me through why, why this happened, why certain things happened the way they did, what your thought process was. And she did that for me. And, you know, she was amazing and it helped me to realize like, it wasn't anything that I did. Um, it took kind of that control away from me in a good way. Um, mm-hmm. and allowed me to, again, what you said, Liz, just kind of be open to, if this happens again, it's okay. Like I'm going to listen to my providers. I'm going to listen to my body you know, we're going to make those decisions when it happens. But again, I'm not going to, I'm going to prepare for what I would like to happen, but I'm going to be open to 
whatever the universe has in yeah. store. So I don't know if that made sense. It's kind of like it a, does. A team. I think it's really cool how you said I'm going to listen to my providers and listen to my body because a lot mm-hmm. of times I feel like we think those are mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. But you really can you really can do both. You can have that relationship and still trust yourself and listen to your body. Mm-hmm. But it's just like what you said, going back to finding a provider that you trust to tell you yeah. the truth, like yeah. because it's in their your best interest, not because you know, they're afraid. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that's huge. All right. Good on that one. Yeah. Exactly. So. Really good about it. The last one, how do you focus on consuming nutrient dense foods when you are exhausted from kids and pregnancy? So I didn't lump this one into the nutrition one because I feel like she was coming from more of like her own yeah. self care. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Hmm. I don't know. I, because I've never had kids and pregnancy. I've only had pregnancy then kid. (laughs) So my focus was always just like, try not to eat the most egregious stuff. Like try (laughs) not to eat a sleeve of Oreos. And if you're going to maybe like buy the organic one (laughs) and get in, I think it's more important what you, a lot, I don't know. People disagree with this. A lot of folks feel like it's it's more important what you don't eat than what you do eat. And I would agree, like, don't eat trans fats, yada, 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 that type of thing. But I think as long as you're getting, like, some of the really good stuff in on a weekly basis, you can release that stress over it because you're doing great. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I mean. I think whenever I th- think of you and, like, I remember, like, early postpartum, it was, like, a lot of sardines, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. I like, did. I pop open a can of sardines. Yeah. Awesome. It's great. Yeah. Salmon, what yeah. you can get. And if, liver pills. I, yeah, mm-hmm. lots of liver pills. I would say uh, if you have the ability to set up any sort of a meal train and you trust the people in your life to bring you nourishing food, um, I cannot recommend that enough. That's been so insanely huge for us. Uh, so I know not everyone has the maybe the, uh, the ability to do that, but if you can, I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. No. And we it's a pretty a, common thing, right? That's not just here that people do that. It's common. Oh, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you don't live out in the boonies, I'm sure it's much easier yeah, to organize. That one up for us, but I'm thinking like Liz, you're like a little far removed, huh? Yeah. A little bit. That's okay. Trips to Whole Foods are kind of, that's like a whole day trip. It's something to do. Yeah. I feel like it'd be convenient for you to just live off Vital Farms or Vital uh, Vital Choice. Vital is? Choice, yeah. U.S. Wellness Meats, yeah. and that's that, that'll that pretty much do it for me, I think. <laughs> do you do something like Thrive Market? I don't know if, is that? I, I tried I that. Did. I see where it's reasonable and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, it, to me, it felt like waiting a long time for my groceries because I don't plan ahead enough. Like if I want coconut aminos, I need them now. <laughs> right. Yesterday. Yeah. I need them immediately. So I've tried that. I've done, um, Pete's paleo. Um, what else, man? Sometimes it's just like get in what you can, where you can, like a yeah. hunk of liverwurst. Don't care mm-hmm. about what it tastes like. Just get it down. I, you know, like expediency, man, this little one did not like the spices in there. Liverwurst. Yeah, from U.S. Wellness Meats. I had some, and um, she, it was like, I don't know. I, I got gassy from it, and then so did she. It was oh, my. Burner. Yeah. So we'll try again a little bit, um, but I'm pretty sure that's what did it. Like the, the um, I think like the cumin and yeah. the garlic and the onion. She's so far has been, has kind of struggled with those things. I had some sausage yesterday at a barbecue, and same thing. Like I tasted it for a long time, and I didn't, I had uh-huh. some like bloat and gas, and then so did she. <laughs> 
So you adjust. You adjust, exactly. So far, dairy's been fine. So I'm doing like a lot of raw dairy and um, yogurt, and that's been that's been totally fine. So it's just you just got to figure out what works, and that's a whole nother topic of like nutrition when you're pre- when you're breastfeeding and what works for you and baby yeah. and what. Yeah. Totally. Well, another stressor too. I feel like a lot of moms are like, I can't eat anything. It's my kid, yeah. I see it, or your kid has a, like a rough night and all of a sudden it's your fault because it's something you ate. So yeah. like trying not to blame ourselves for that too. Is pretty yeah. <laughs> Look at your little squish. Oh, I wish <laughs> you guys could see. She's adorable. <laughs> what a good, I mean, all babies are good, yeah. but what a trooper. Like we've yeah. been on for like two hours. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> She's um, on me. She's happy. I swear. That's adorable. So, and so we're going to kind of wrap this episode up. I know we had a lot of questions for Liz come through on her Instagram and I promise you we're going to get to those. We're just going to have her. Woohoo. Hi baby. We're going to have her back on um, so that we can really like pay enough time and attention to those questions. Cause they were great. Um, yeah. So we will plan that soon, but to kind of wrap up this session, Liz, just tell us kind of where to find you if we want to connect our listeners. Um, I know the hap- the um, baby making and beyond is on the forefront. So just kind of wrap it all up and tell us a little bit about all that stuff. Yeah, you got it. So you can find my just general website about real food, babies, skincare, that type of stuff at realfoodliz.com. And you can get out to all my social media from there. Um, the Balanced Bites podcast is a great place to find me. We do that every week. And babymakingandbeyond.com. You can sign up for our mailing list to be notified when it's ready. At this point, it's been gestating like for a long, long, long time, but we really, really hope to release it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's like, yeah, a baby elephant, like on a alternate universe where time goes really, really slowly. Um, so, but you can sign up for the list there and we're really hoping to release it in, um, 2017. We are, um, we're on track. So, so just bear with us. It's going to be, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a a great community for, you know, like-minded parents to find great information on all kinds of topics. We're bringing in, um, guest experts and things like that, just to really put a lot of amazing expertise all in one place for mamas and dads and parents and grandparents to, um, get their, get their information fix. And I'm grateful that you, even though you have this beautiful thing, just, just stating, just stating, and, um, that you're still sharing so much beforehand because like some people might be like, I'm not, I'm going to keep it all to myself because I want people to buy this or whatever it is, but you're still sharing a lot. And I know like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to wait to have a baby until that came out because (laughs) I I did feel like you had already helped by putting out so much. And I can only imagine what's going to be in, in this and it'll be great for number two and for this one. Um, because she's still pretty new. So well, thank <laughs> still you. a lot of beyonds to go. <laughs> yes. Many, many beyonds. There, there will be many beyonds and I appreciate it. It's been very healing for me to communicate a lot of what I dealt with really quietly over probably about two years. So I appreciate you guys giving me the platform to talk about these things and hopefully it, hopefully it reaches some people. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. It really means a lot to both of us. And this was such a treat to get to pick your brain and hear your thoughts. So thank you for that. Yeah. My pleasure friends. And then for us, as always, um, you can find us on iTunes. If you like what you're listening to, please um, rate us, write a review. Um, We'd love to hear from you guys. You can find us on our social media platforms, mostly on Instagram. You can find Laura at laura.radicalroots and me at jess.holdthespace. Again, email us with questions or ideas for 
podcast topics at modernmamaspodcast at gmail.com. And then stay tuned after this episode. We will be giving you some deets about our giveaway. It should be fun. Awesome. And Liz, if you want to stay on real quick, we will chit chat with you here at the end. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Bye, guys. guys. Bye. See you soon. Or, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You can maybe cut that (laughs) I'm leaving it. So we are so excited to announce the first ever Modern Mamas giveaway. We've teamed up with some of our all-time favorite companies to bring you a chance at some killer prizes. And the best part is that entering is a breeze. With a couple simple steps, you can win prizes from not one, not two, but three different brands. We'll be giving away a full month supply of Paleo Valley's Organ Complex, a box of epic bison bacon cranberry bars, and a box of epic salmon strips, and a week's worth of chameleon cold brew. The Organ Complex was huge for me for fertility, preconception, and it's played a large part in my postpartum recovery. The epic snacks are perfect for a mom or anyone, really on the go or busy with a newborn. And I'm speaking from experience here. And who doesn't love Chameleon Cold Brew? It's the best on the market. All you have to do to enter between now and August 9th is subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave a review. Then email or message us with your reviewer username. It's as simple as that. We'll choose the winner at random on August 9th. Best of luck.